Well, good morning. So good to be with you all today here in the auditorium and with our worship service in the venue today. My name is Adrian. I'm the lead pastor here at Carney Free. And could you give a very warm E-Free welcome to Circle Urban Mission and the Rock of Our Salvation Church? So, so grateful to have uh, four members of this wonderful ministry here with us today. I want to just introduce you to them for a moment as today will be kind of unique. We're going to have an interview format for a few moments though this morning and then I'm going to preach a mini message, maybe. <laughs> I'm with my African-American pastor brothers. I can't guarantee anything. <laughs> so we, we got Pastor Rob Stevenson here. Pastor of the Rock Church, and we got James Borshade, who is the Executive Director of Circle Urban Mission. And in our audience today, we also have uh, David Augustus out here, and then we have Sheila Anderson well, with us as well. And uh, we're just very, very grateful to have these four representatives of uh, this wonderful mich- mission, this wonderful ministry that we've been partnering with for uh, 30 years, as you just saw in that slideshow. And uh, this was a ministry that was started um, again in the Austin neighborhood of Chicago back in 1983. And it's the very first, I just learned yesterday, it's the very first uh, predominantly African-American e-free church in America. And uh, very grateful for that and the fact that we've been partners with them for 30 years now. Our partnership began under the tenure of Pastor John McNeil. And we've had numerous leaders who have been um, really a significant part from e-free. And I think they need to be noted Uh, In addition to uh, Wendell Snyder, who you just uh, saw on that video, um, husband of of Lois Snyder, he was one of the early leaders, and and so was uh, Martin Cox, and um, a number of different leaders we've had over the years that have led these teams from Kearney to Chicago. And uh, most Februaries across the past 30 years, we've sent a team to the Austin neighborhood of Chicago to partner with these two wonderful ministries and uh, what they're doing to bring the light of Christ to their neighborhood. So um, that's what we're going to do here for just a moment, is, is talk with these dear brothers and learn from them as we seek to be led a bit by them and understand a bit of their ministry and perhaps understand a bit more of the body of Christ all over and some of the great things though, that God is doing in other parts of our nation as well. And so uh, let me start with you, James, if you wouldn't mind just sharing with those of us who are new to this partnership, as I am, uh, share with us a little bit about the background, a little bit of the history of Circle Urban Ministry, and uh, a bit of your role as Executive Director. Well, first of all, I want to thank you all for having us here. Uh, this is, it's been a blessing to be here, and, and, and I'm honored to be able to share with you all. Circle Urban Ministry started in the early 70s uh, by Dr. Glenn K. Ryan who, now imagine if you will, after the assassination of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, uh, saw the turmoil and the hurt of the Austin community. Uh, And I remember hearing one day on the top of uh, the Moody Bible Institute is one of the the famous Bible colleges in the city of Chicago, sitting on the roof and saw what was going on in Austin and decided that I want to help. I want to bring racial reconciliation to the city of Chicago, which is one of the most segregated cities in, in the country. And so what he did was he picked, he and 19 families, 19 predominantly Caucasian families decided we're gonna move to Austin. 
We want to find out what it's like to live in Austin, what it's like uh, so when your garbage is not picked up, my garbage is not picked up. We want to have the same experiences that you all have so that we can now understand how to better support. And so through that, he started a race equity and racial reconciliation campaign throughout the city of Chicago. And what he learned is we need additional resources in the Austin neighborhood. And with the 19 families, they had the early makings of what is now Circle Urban Ministries. I like to say the Circle Urban Ministries is a Matthew 25 ministry where the Lord said, I, I was sick and you did not visit me. I, I, I had no meat, I had no drink and you didn't give me anything to drink. So for those who are hungry or thirsty, Circle Urban Ministries has a food pantry called My Daily Bread Food Pantry. Um, for those who are sick and shut in, Circle Urban Ministries has a health clinic on the campus. For those who are homeless, Circle Urban Ministries has a 96-bed woman and children's shelter. For those who need education, Circle Urban Ministries has a school on campus with 520 plus scholars. For those who need spiritual guidance, and I'm gonna pause when I say this, Circle Urban Ministries has the Rock of Our Salvation Church, which as Adrian pointed out, which is the first predominantly African-American e-free church in the country and it's led by our wonderful pastor my wonderful pastor robert lewis stevens <laughs> mm -hmm. so i have my role at circle urban ministries as executive director and ceo is to really bring transformational change um, circle urban ministries for the past 42 years has been a ministry in the austin community that has really helped people fish for lack of a better word and so in the next generation of Circle Urban Ministries, we're flipping that a little bit. We're going to continue to help people fish. But our, now, our new role is to teach people how to fish so that they can become self-sufficient. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll yield and pause. Can we get an amen? <laughs> My word. What, what a great ministry is happening there. Three different arms to this ministry, as you just heard. you got Circle Urban. you got a a K through eight school with over 500 kids, and then the Rock of Our Salvation Church. And um, Pastor Rob has been the pastor there for almost six years. Almost. And uh, he's been uh, a pastor at uh, the Rock Church for 14 years. Yes. Okay, so um, we've had a great time just getting to know each other here though this weekend. I've thoroughly enjoyed the fellowship though, that I've had with you, my brother. Uh, tell us a little bit about the Rock Church. Also, when you were called to be the senior pastor at the Rock Church, you shared with me a wonderful story several weeks ago that uh, your son said, no, Dad, don't do that. Don't do that. And, and you said, no, it's out of um, God's calling to me. And you spoke to me in passionate language about the compassion you have for that neighborhood. Can you speak a little bit about that? Yes. Good morning, uh, Carney Free Church. Thanks for having us. Uh, I'm so excited uh, to uh, be here and uh, thank Pastor uh, Adrian for uh, our relationship we are building. Um, my name is Robert Lewis Stevenson and I did not write uh, Treasure Island, but uh, <laughs> if you have the book, I will sign it for you. <laughs> no problem. Um, Rock Church, I've uh, been around a little over 32 years and um, they have only had three pastors uh, in those 32 years, and I'm the third. Uh, it gives me great honor to, to know that God is moving in an incredible way. Um, we are very diverse uh, in the Austin community, primarily all black folks. And so we have folks come in and, and, and visit us and says, 
hey, Pastor Rod, where do you white folks come from? <laughs> and how do you preach to them? I says, well, turn your Bibles over to John 3.16. How about that? But just to know that folks just not aware, don't understand that God is moving in incredible ways. And so uh, God called me to Rock Church 14 years ago. And um, I have pretty much done everything you can possibly do in a church. Uh, at one point, I was the youth pastor, did not like the kids, pretty much. And I says, well, God, I don't even like kids. I got three of my own. Don't tell God what you don't like. And so he called me to be the youth pastor, and I began to love the kids. And so, of course, uh, there was a little calling. God had, God had called me to become the interim pastor when our senior pastor resigned. I'm like, I don't like adults. And so, so don't tell God who you don't like. And of course, so the story goes on. So a little over five years, I've been the senior pastor at Rock Church. Uh, I come from the inner city of Chicago, born and raised all 48 years. And typically, uh, you come, I come from a, a broken family. My mom divorced my dad when I was three years old. And so the streets raised me in such a way. And so the things you hear in Chicago, the murder, the crime, and all those things, I experienced that as a little boy. And so when you get a chance to get out of the urban setting, you run if you make it. And so uh, I, I didn't know 25 years ago when God called me and allowed salvation to be who I am now and have Jesus the Lord of my life, the last thing I wanted to do was run. I wanted to help. Mm. Did not know that I would be a pastor someday, Pastor Adrian. Mm. And so um, when God called me 14 years ago uh, to Rock Church, I thought to myself, wow, God, uh, because Rock Church is on the west side of Chicago. I lived on the south side of Chicago. And those who lived on the south side of Chicago says, west side is too crazy. We'll never go over there. And so I thought, God, you have a sense of humor. And so when God called me and I accepted the call as the senior pastor, uh, I didn't have to live in the Austin community. But God, I felt the call to, if you're going to pastor a community church, you should live in that community. And so my 15-year-old son said to me, but Dad, why? Trash is everywhere. They're killing all over the place. Gang-related is just crazy. Dad, please. And I said to my son, I said, you may not understand it today, but one of the things is you don't pay their bills neither, so you don't get to say where we live. But the passage that, that God put on my heart was Matthew 9, 35. It says, Jesus went throughout the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they was harassed and helpless, mm. like a sheep without a shepherd. Mm. And that's what I saw. I saw because I lived it. And I told my son, I said, son, I believe that this is what God wants us to be and live. We can make a difference, man, because I lived this life. You never lived this life. And for that reason, Pastor Brian, I built me Pastor Adrian. I, I thank God because the compassion he had on my life, inner city kid, divorced mom, 
My mother was a functioning alcoholic and trying to raise four children. And I was the black sheep of the family. Like, who guessed I would be a pastor in my family? But God had compassion on me. Hmm. And for that reason, I got compassion on Austin. Yeah. Beautiful answer. Thank you. Um, would, you, would you mind telling us a little bit, either uh, James or Pastor Rob, would you mind telling us a little bit about uh, the relationship that Carney Free has had with um, Circle Urban and the Rock Church over the years? What have been some of the things that we've done together, and what might even be some future projects that we could partake in? Okay. I'm going to do half, and James, you do the other half, right. as I represent Circle uh, Rock Church as well. First of all, I would like the Kearney team... Uh, who've been coming over 30-some years to stand. Would you please, uh, you know who you are, who have been coming to Rock Church and Circle of Ministry. Would you please stand for me, please? Don't be shy. Come on, stand up. Amen. Keep standing. Just keep standing for one second. Now, what God has done in and through their hearts, these folks have come into a community that was thrown away. And God spoke to each and every one of them. And I thank God that he's done that because just throughout the years, we were able to preach the gospel like no other in a community that's predominantly black. And they wonder what these white folks doing over here on this corner. And they have come to serve, they have come to give and love our community like never before. And it's one of the reasons why I'm sitting here this morning, because of the work of your brothers and sisters, your members, our brothers and sisters in kingdom has done in the, for the rock of our salvation in the community of Austin. You may be seated. Thank you. Let's give him one more big hand. One of the things I'll highlight, um, you, it's no secret what's going on in the United States today, um, the racial tensions, et cetera. And I hear oftentimes, how do we solve that? How do we solve that? And if you're not sure, let me, let me share that Carney Free Church, you are on the cutting edge of that solution. Amen. You are on the cutting edge of that solution. Your members come out to the city of Chicago, and it's not just the work that is being done, and there's a lot of work that gets done. They've helped us um, rebuild our chapel. They've helped us uh, redo the, uh, the upstairs where we have archery for our inner city. Inner city youth, they're shooting archery in the city of Chicago. If you don't know, that doesn't happen. Never. That doesn't happen. But because of the work that you all have done, not only are they shooting archery, they love it. Mr. James, can you open up the attic? Have you done your homework yet? Yes. All right. So that's work that's being done because of you. But what is most important is the relationships that have been built, that have been developed over the last 30 years. I've been the CEO at Circle for six months. And I come here this weekend, and I already feel like I've got a new family. I've got a new, I've got a new family here. So know that when you come to the city of Chicago, you're not just coming and doing work. You're building lasting bonds, long-lasting relationships, and you're changing lives, not just in the city of Austin and the city of Chicago, but around the nation. The relationship between Rock of Our Salvation, Circle Urban Ministries, and Carney Free Church is the template that is being used to bring racial reconciliation all around the country. So give yourselves a round of applause for that. Yeah. 
Is there anything else? You raised this question, raised this point, James. It's a very, very important one, and we all get nervous when we talk about race. Let's just admit it, we do. But um, are there other things that uh, our African-American brothers and sisters would want a predominantly Caucasian church? We're not completely Caucasian. We're blessed to have a fair number of Hispanics and African-Americans and and Asians as well, but but, uh, a predominantly Caucasian church. Uh, what would you want us to understand? So, so I'll, take, I'll take some of that and then I'll, I'll yield sure. to you. Embrace difference. Hmm. I oftentimes hear us try to be the same, hmm. but know that the differences that you see, they're the many facets of the Lord, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God created us all in his image. So embrace the differences, learn from the differences. It, I, I do a little bit of marriage coaching and I share with the couples that I coach, listen, you're different. Stop trying to be the same. <laughs> embrace that. Embrace that. You're not going to think the way she thinks. She's not going to think the way you think. But if you start dwelling together in unity, how sweet it is. How sweet it is. So I would say embrace the difference because they're, they're, God created those intentionally. They're intentional differences. I hear people say irreconcilable differences. And I said, well, you couldn't reconcile them from the beginning. Mm. They were created that way on purpose. Mm. Mm. That's a great answer. I would like to say that I want to share with my brothers and sisters to be intentional, um, to be able to say, you know, I want to get to know people deeper. Let me give you a perfect example. If Joe Moore would have invited me to his house 26 years ago, there's no way I would have went to his house. No way, because I just didn't know. I didn't understand. And so at our church, we, we are very intentional. We do this thing about, uh, it's called Fudge Ripple, where black folks and white folks, we meet together, uh, white folks have questions they, they always want to ask black folks, and black folks have questions they want the white folks to answer. And so we separate, right, and, and, and then we all come back, and then our facilitator, we have some Oreo cookies, and, some, and so, so we get involved, right? And so so we're we gonna enjoy each other, amen? And so, and so one of the questions, and I facilitate one of the questions like, like this perfect example, says um, one of uh, white, uh, white, white uh, folks' questions was, why do black folks always say that we're going to the store called Jewels? It's a grocery store. It's really Jewel. But again, you know, we, that's just what we have done. And so then we have one question was, well, black folks says, why are white folks so nosy? <laughs> so, and, so, and so what they had to do is stand up and says, well, because we're trying to get to know you. Hmm. We don't know unless we ask questions. Well, in the black context, it says, when you grew up as a little kid, don't you tell what goes on in our house. Yeah. What happens in this house stays in this house. That's where <laughs> Vegas get that anyway, by the way. So, so, but we're very intentional so people can understand the difference in the context. And I tell you what, I love Joe in a great way. I love my, my, my Carney team and I love to hug them. Mm. And so when you come to Chicago, because I know you come and let the church say amen. amen. Say amen again. <laughs> okay, so we, gonna, we, we just appreciate just how God has called us to be who we are in him. Amen? Mm. Yes. That's great. That's great. 
Any final word that you'd like to share with our church this morning, both in this service and in the venue? James, you go first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is what heaven looks like. Mm. To those who can't wait to see our Lord, our King, our God, our Savior, this is what heaven looks like. There's diverse singing, there's diverse, there's diverse preaching, there's diverse teaching, there's diverse living, but all one God that we serve. Mm. Amen. And I want to close with, uh, I got a gift for those who, who would like to continue to pray for us in, in the movement we're doing at Rock and Circle. It's, uh, it's found in 2 Timothy 4, 7 that talks about finishing the fight, finishing the race. Uh, we are in a race, in a kingdom race, and we are looking to continue to be fishers of men. Uh, we would love for you all to pray for us. Uh, any uh, God's touch your heart to support our ministry. We are about to start something that's so profound in the inner city, uh, inner city youth explosion revival, where we are coming and being intentional to love these kids, get them off the streets so they know that this is a safe place and we're going to preach Jesus like never before. And if you're interested in February when the team come up, come on up because it's going to be a revival. We want you to give testimonies. We want you to touch the people. And so today, outside, just to give you, uh, if you want to remember who we are, we have wristbands, Pastor. We're going to give you one. Here's your, you already have your wristband. <laughs> Amen. I got this taken care of. Amen. Well, let's make sure we follow his lead. So there will be some wristbands out there on the table. Uh, my card, the card of our ministry. If you'd like to email us to keep up with us, we want to invite you to do that. But thank you so much for welcoming us, loving us, and supporting the cause because we are kingdom builders. Let E Free Church say amen. 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 Okay, as these guys, before they step off the stage, I'm just going to pray for these two gentlemen and their ministries. Would you join me, please? Father in heaven, how grateful I am for James Borchet and his um, executive role. He is the executive director of Circle Urban Mission, and it's a huge, huge responsibility. It's a huge role, and we ask God that you anoint him as he works with kids and families. You prepare him to continue to help those who are hurting there in the Austin neighborhood of Chicago. Grant him wisdom beyond his years. Grant him clarity as he leads. I thank you, Lord, for Sheila and for David and for all of the wonderful ministers there at Circle Urban and The Rock. We're so grateful for them and pray, God, that you would continue to move them forward according to your will. And Father, we're so grateful for Pastor Rob. I'm thankful, Lord, for his friendship and opportunity to grow with him. And I ask, Lord, that you would anoint him as spiritual leader of this church. Uh, God, would you go before him on his right and on his left, yes, in front of him, behind him, protecting him, protecting his family? Lord, would you watch over the Rock Church, though, that it would be a place of reconciliation to one another and reconciliation to the one who alone is God. Yes. By the grace and the love of our Lord Jesus Christ, may it be so. And Father, we continue to pray for this wonderful relationship that we have with uh, the Rock Church and Circle Urban Mission. Would you do a great work in the years to come to expand this ministry, to expand the number of people that are going, to expand the precision of the projects, that they would be um, uh, even more significant, but you would continue to strengthen the relationships that, that we have with them. We thank you, Lord, for the time to bond together over relationships this weekend. We bless all of those who have gone on this trip over the years. 
And we look forward to many more great years to come through this ministry partnership. We'll be sure, Lord God, we'll be sure to give you all the credit. In Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. 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 Love you, brothers. Thanks. Well, that was probably more than enough sermon for one day, wasn't it? I have a mini sermon for you. And uh, some of you are saying, come on, I've listened to your sermons, Adrian. I know they can't be mini. It will be a sermonette this morning. I'm going to prove you wrong. It will be a mini, mini sermon. Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 4. And we're going to see a beautiful story from which I will just give a sermonette for about 15 minutes here out of John chapter 4. And uh, it's, it's a beautiful interaction that I really encourage you to read together in full with your family later on today or with your life group. Uh, be sure you read this interaction in full. I'm just going to touch on some highlights, though, this morning as it relates to what we've been talking about already today. And the story's so interesting, Bob, because it begins and ends with these really puzzling statements. First, in John 4, verse 4, it says this of Jesus. It says, He had to go through Samaria. It's a very puzzling statement, and we'll get to that in just a moment. And then it goes on to the very end of this episode. The disciples come back as Jesus has been in Samaria, and they've been off on some little excursion, and they have this puzzled look on their face when it says in verse 27, just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? But they all wondered it. They were all shocked, and they all marveled at this. Why is he talking to this specific woman? I'd like to just ask two questions and hopefully answer them here in the next moments. First, why did Jesus have to go through Samaria? And second, why are his disciples shocked that he is talking with a Samaritan woman? Because he didn't actually have to go through Samaria. If you know your geography of that region, you'll see up on the screen a map, and Jesus and his disciples are moving from Jerusalem and Judea up to Galilee in the north part of Israel. And the common mode, or the common um, method for getting up to Galilee for Jewish leaders of the day was to go around Samaria. They would move to the east around Samaria, even though the most a direct route would be going right through the center of Samaria. And so while Google Maps may have taken them around Samaria, God's map said, no, you are, you are going through Samaria. You, you, you have to go through Samaria. They didn't have to geographically. Jews regularly went around because Samaria was considered the other side of the tracks. It was the rural sticks, if you will, that folks from the city didn't want to go to. It was the inner city that folks from the country didn't want to go to. But they had to go through Samaria because God had them to go through Samaria. Jesus had to go through Samaria, please listen now, because God likes different people. They had to go through Samaria because God wanted to make one new people out of these two very different people, Jews and Samaritans, to bring them together so he had to go to the other side of the tracks, if you will. 
So Jesus goes through Samaria and he gets to this well. He's tired from his journey because he's been walking now for probably 25, 30 miles with his disciples from Jerusalem to the town of Sychar in Samaria. And after 25 or 30 miles, after two or three days, he's tired. And so he goes to this well-known well where he goes to get water. And as he goes there, the disciples decide they want to go on a little shopping excursion. And they're out in the shopping excursion, and they come back, and they are shocked to find that he is still wrapped in conversation with a Samaritan woman with a bad reputation. And uh, he's sitting there talking to her, asking her for a drink of water. He's listening to her story. They're in a dialogue, and they're shocked by it all. Well, why is that? They're shocked first because she's a woman. And Jewish men, faithful Jewish men, just didn't talk to women. They're shocked second because she's that kind of woman. She's a woman with the wrong kind of reputation. And a Jewish man certainly was not to talk to a Samaritan woman with the wrong kind of reputation. And, and third, she's a Samaritan. And the background on that is Jews and Samaritans were like this for generations. And the reason that they were like this for generations is because when the Jews went into exile during the time of the diaspora, during the years of Daniel that we just talked about this summer, they're in, they're in exile there. And while they're in exile, some of the Jews decide to intermarry with the Assyrians and the Babylonians. And as they intermarried, they developed a new ethnicity. Over the course of time, skin color changed, new ethnicity developed, and when the Jews got an opportunity under uh, Nehemiah to go back to their homeland after the wall was fixed around Jerusalem, uh, most of the Jews went back, but some of the Jews stayed behind. And those Jews that intermarried with the Assyrians and the Babylonians tended to stay behind, and they developed their own culture with the Assyrian people and the Babylonian people. And so they became seen as mixed-race traitors by the Jews, not my people. And they wouldn't associate with those who were not their people. These two groups, both Samaritans and Jews, much as we just heard from James and Rob, they just avoided each other. They didn't know what to do with each other. And I believe God gives us this story to shout that there is no such thing as my kind of people, your kind of people, any kind of people. There's only human kind of people. I believe that's the, that's the reason he gives us here in 2016, in our day, that story. Because there is this reality in human nature that part of our nature seems to be this, uh, this interest in pulling and dividing. Do you notice that? We quickly separate into camps, upper class and working class, the band kids and the jocks. Republicans and Democrats, black, white, Hispanic, whatever. We, we separate in these camps and these categories. And, and sometimes the categories can be helpful for understanding and explaining one another. I'm not saying they can't ever be helpful. But generally the reason that we separate into these camps and categories is so that we can determine who's my people and who ain't my people. You know what I'm saying? Do, you, do, you hear, do, do anyone besides these folks hear me? Can I, <laughs> can I hear a little bit from you? Does anyone else hear, hear me? And, and, and so, um, Jesus is with this Samaritan woman, and, and, and he pushes against my kind of people, your kind of people, in his interaction with the Samaritan woman. 
They're interacting for, for a while, and she sees that he's a loving teacher. And, and he's a Jewish man, and she's surprised by this. How could this be that this, this Jewish man is so kind, and, and he has a reputation as a teacher, and he seems to be compassionate, and we're interacting, and he's, he's asking about my life, and he's listening, and he seems to be genuinely interested. And you see a bit of the division. Well, when she asks out of her surprise, verse 19 and 20, Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. And our ancestors, they worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews, you claim that the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. Do you hear that division? It says we can't worship together. Two different races, two different peoples, two different mountains, two different temples, two different churches, segregated on Sunday morning at 11 a.m. We still frequently can't work together, worship together. This sense, you're not my kind, keeps them from worshiping together. And, and tragically, it seems, we're moving toward that, that kind of day in America. Maybe we're even in that day now where there's been a greater division and we seem a little further apart than we were even a short time ago. Years ago, I had the opportunity to hear live one of my absolute favorite uh, preachers. His name is Tony Evans, and he's uh, Dr. Tony Evans' is pastor at Oak Cliff Bible Church down in inner city Dallas. And he was talking about what Jesus does well with the divisions and, and how he was imploring the church to be an emulsifier. Emulsifier, what is that? And uh, Dr. Tony Evans just has this huge vocabulary that I'm so jealous of. And what's emulsifier? You, you, you know, he goes on, he explains a little bit. Emulsifier is that which is able to bring two opposing things together and bond them together. So like oil and water, they don't mix, do they? They don't mix. They need an emulsifier. An egg is that emulsifier that brings oil and water together to make mayonnaise. And so also, black and white and Hispanic sometimes in our culture today are like oil and water. And so also the working class and the upper class sometimes they're like oil and water. And so also the jocks and the music folks at the local school sometimes are like oil and water. And sometimes maybe even your family, you've got a couple of people that you just like oil and water with them. And you need an emulsifier to bring you together, to bond you together in spite of your previous divisions. We need to reconcile. And what I want to tell you is that reconciliation Reconciliation is the very heart of the gospel. Reconciliation with God most high and reconciliation with each other is at the very heart of the gospel. There's so much that can be said about this, this story, this episode, and I can't get into most of it, but, but please hear this. If you take nothing else home with you today, take this single idea. That to work toward reconciliation, if you wish to work toward reconciliation, Spend time on their turf, whoever they are in your mind. Spend time on their turf, hearing their stories, learning from their culture. Let me say that again. If you wish to be a reconciler, spend time. We spend time on their turf, whoever they are, learning from their stories, hearing their stories, learning from their culture. And that works toward reconciliation. Again, we heard that from, from James and Pastor Rob the, this morning. They just have these times, fudge ripple times. 
They get together and they listen to one another. Look at verse 7. You see how Jesus did this with the Samaritan woman. It says, a woman came from Samaria. She came to, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, would you please give me a drink? Would you give me a drink of that water? Jesus meets the Samaritan woman on her turf. He is in Samaria. He's in her neck of the woods on the other side of the tracks. He's listening to her story. If you know this story, he goes on to ask her a number of questions, and they listen back and forth, talking to each other. It's a long engagement. He's listening to her story. And what a great lesson, though, this is for us today, that maybe you have someone in your family that you know you're not right with, that you know you need reconciliation with. You make it an aim to go listen to them, not to defend yourself, but just to listen. Because to listen so often is to, to love. Or you got someone, you, you just wonder, I don't really understand the inner city angst today. I don't understand some of the African-American angst today. Well, seek to listen. Go under their turf and seek to listen. I think of our many brothers and sisters who are seeking to go through the immigration system the legal way, the legal way. And I've talked to many of them, developed good friendships well with a number, and, and as I've gotten into their hearts from different countries, uh, from India, that's part of Susie's family's story as well. Um, you, you just listen to their story, and as you listen to their story, your compassion for them goes up. And your love for them goes up. And your prayers for those folks begins to skyrocket as you understand the fear and the angst that so many are living in. Two different times, Jesus asked the Samaritan woman for a drink of water. I just consider the vulnerability of this moment when he says, you know, our people don't talk to each other, but here I am and I'm thirsty, and so can I have a drink of water? And this is a vulnerable statement. I have a drink from your cup? And the Samaritans would have gone like this. And the Jews would have gone like this. Who are you? Who do you think you're talking to? Tony Evans once again puts it this way. He, Jesus, put his Jewish lips to her Samaritan cup. And without being willing to put his lips to her cup, he could not have touched her life. So he put his Jewish lips to her Samaritan cup. And therefore, he was able to actually touch her life. And so also, when Chicagoans come into Nebraska and they have beef for dinner, they touch our lives. And so also, when we go to Chicago, go to Circle Urban Mission, and we go to the Rock Church, and we have soul food, mm-mm, amen, <laughs> we touch each other's lives. Just the process of exchanging culture, exchanging stories, listening to each other, learning each other on one another's turf. It's such a beautiful exchange. What I love about this ministry, what I love about this partnership is over the course of 30 years, Carney E. Free Church has sent hundreds of folks up to Chicago, and they've done some real good. But they haven't necessarily been world changers. They've been small community changers through their lives, through small projects, through skilled and unskilled labor, through helping kids in a number of different ways, 
But the biggest thing that I have heard over and over again as I've got to know this ministry is the change has happened through relationships. No big surprise. It always does. It happens through relationships. I was talking to Joe Mall, and Joe Mall's been one of the leaders of this church, or this trip over the past several years, and he said, we are called to love one another. It's easy to love the family that looks just like you, that acts just like you, that sits by you in church, but it's hard to go where the opposite is true and still love. But this is what our God calls us to. And so I am so grateful for this partnership that we have. I look forward to seeing the way the partnership develops in the future in which mostly African-American folks come visit us here in Kearney, Nebraska, and mostly Caucasian folks go into the Austin neighborhood of inner city Chicago and we learn from one another. We listen to each other. We learn each other's cultures. We hear different stories. We get on each other's turf. I am firmly convinced that the answer to America's problems today is the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. I am firmly convinced of it. The only way that we can ever work toward unity in a country as diverse as ours, the only way we can ever work toward unity in the midst of all of our diversity is through the transcendent emulsifier called the blood of Jesus Christ. It is our unity amidst our diversity. The transcendent blood and body of our Lord Jesus Christ can bring you and your family together no matter your differences. Can bring our cultures together. Can bring our races together no matter our differences. For that we pray as we prepare to take communion. Gracious Father in heaven, how we love you that you have given your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, to reconcile us to the Father who is love and to reconcile us to one another. There are great differences in this room. There are obviously great differences between cultures. But how about just in this room? <laughs> how about just in our neighborhood? How about just in our families, the great differences that we have? But you, Lord, desire to bring us together. You desire us, as the church of Jesus Christ, to be an emulsifier as we come to Jesus Christ, the great emulsifier who gives his blood that brings us together, which we get to celebrate today. We love you, Lord. We thank you. Prepare us now to celebrate communion together. In Jesus' name, amen.